Welcome to When They Popped. Let's rewind to a simpler time together and dive deep into the music, movement, and mania behind our favorite Y2K celebrities and trends. Hosted by Kelsey and Mary, it's time for another episode of When They Popped. Hello and welcome to When They Popped. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Mary. And today is a special episode because Mary and I are together in the same place at the same time to celebrate 90s con in beautiful Hartford, Connecticut. (laughs) You guys, this is the first time we are recording together and not across the country from each other. However, due to mics being weird and echoey and I don't know. I don't understand technology, but we couldn't be completely together because of that. So I'm in the carpeted guest room next door to Kelsey's bedroom, but we are reunited at last and have been engaged in a wonderful podcasters retreat weekend. It has been awesome. Yeah. We're literally calling this our podcasters retreat because everyone who we wanted to see at 90s con canceled last (laughs) minute. So, you know, in the spirit of looking at the glass half full, we have really been throwing ourselves into just trying to capture the best content possible. Yes. It is a con, just content instead of, (laughs) but we've had a great time and we're really excited to share with you guys some of the cool people that we saw, the things we did, just sort of a recap of 90s con and the exciting things that we learned from some Mm -hmm. of our favorite 90s stars. So let's uh, get to it. First of all, I have never been to another con. Bravo con, con, never done it. But this was kind of cool because all the stars were in plain view like the whole time. I don't know if that's typical of other cons or conventions. And essentially people could buy photo ops. Mary and I kept calling them cash bars, (laughs) a photo (laughs) cash bar, where there are photo ops where you could get cycled in and out pretty quickly with a fun backdrop. But then there were also these separate like selfie ops and autograph stations where the stars were all just sitting in a row. And it was kind of crazy. We saw all the full house stars, Joey and Chris from NSYNC, Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees, Mario Lopez, who, by the way, looks like a doll. Like, yes. he looks too perfect to be real. It's alarming. I He hasn't aged a day. Like, those dimples, I just want to go swimming in them. <laughs> we also saw the cast of Clueless. I, I feel like the longest line was for our girl, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, it was. Props to her. A lot of 90210 stars, Buffy, Charmed, Hocus Pocus. And of course, the Sabrina the Teenage Witch Ladies. And it was really cool. And of course, we saw the All That cast unite for their panel. Mary, tell our listeners what else was there at 90s Con aside from peeping on all these stars. Yeah. So the other main part and something that I loved was all the different vendors. It was like one big Etsy shop almost. The convention center was just basically stuffed to the brim with rows and rows of different shops selling their their merch or their services all kind of centered around some sort of 90s theme. We spent some money. We got some really cute, you know, boy band, Backstreet Boys, Britney themed merch. We got matching BFF bracelets. You know the kind I'm talking about, those classic beaded ones. They're like They're super so colorful. cute. Like the ones we wore back in the day. I know you can all picture those. Shout out. I picked up some Britney Spears magazines for a friend of the pod, Troy McKeady from Dunzo and Beyond the Blinds. He collects a lot of Britney memorabilia and magazines. And so we were able to get a couple for him at one of the, the vendors. Another something I really enjoyed was this like model room by 30AF. They're like a an Instagram account, kind of a Y2K themed Instagram account and brand. And they were so nice and fun. And they created this room 
that was like your ideal dream room growing up in the 90s, 2000s. Like it had the see-through clear phone that would like light up when someone called like the the landline. They had, you know, Furby. They had all these different Backstreet Boys in sync books, Polaroid cameras. And to Kelsey's great joy, they had blow up chairs. This was really important to me because I told Mary, I was like, if we walk into this place and there isn't blow up furniture, I'm going to riot. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We got the blow up chairs. We didn't have to start a riot, thankfully. We got the blow up chairs. They also had a lava lamp. They had the trolls. Like remember the trolls with like the crazy colored hairs? They also had, I'm like looking at my photo and like zooming into every little corner. They had (laughs) cat's cradle game. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And and a recorder. A recorder. And the (laughs) recorder. I heard hot cross buns in my head for the rest of the day. I almost am like, did you have to do that? They had Spice World DVD. The attention to detail was immaculate and it was very well done. And it was basically a a room that people could come in and get a photo op. And so Kelsey and I took quite a few photos in those. Oh, my gosh. It was perfect. And besides just vendors selling their items and their crafts, There were also people giving tattoos. There were different 90s-themed props and backdrops to take photos with. We saw the Scooby-Doo mobile, the mystery mobile, whatever you call it. Mystery machine, Mayor. The mystery machine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'd say the highlight was when I literally had to hold Kelsey back and keep her from fulfilling her villain origin story and getting slimed because there was a slime tank there. There was a slime tank there. Like a huge sign to say, get slimed. And I was like, oh my God. And they had these little ponchos <laughs> and that people, had, it was, oh my God. I do have some questions about the the sanctity. Wait, is that the term I'm looking for? The legitimacy? What's the if word it I'm was the for? real If it was the real Nickelodeon slime, basically, you weren't sure because they had the, the Nickelodeon colors and it said, get slimed and there were big signs, but there were no Nickelodeon logos. So yes. I, I questioned the legitimacy of the slime. We watched a few kids do it. It was really cute and they seemed to have a blast. So I thought that was really cute. Totally. I do think that the one thing that the vendor floor was missing and part of the experience is I do believe that there's opportunity for more photo ops. Like yeah. they, there were some props and stuff, but the one thing that we were really missing was t-shirts next year yeah. Someone needs to have like a vintage 90s t-shirt stand. I feel like those would go off so well. Everyone there was wearing a Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or New Kids on the Block, like all their music merch so they could be wearing their favorite shirts as they did the meet and greet. So if you have a vintage t-shirt Etsy, you need to look into doing something at 90s Con next year and have like a fun photo op moment because that the 30AF booth was so fun and it was one of the few sort of interactive opportunities that you didn't have to wait in a long line for and it was just such a fun photo op. What was your like favorite part of the whole experience? We've been trying not to talk to each other about it because yes. we're like, save it for the pod. <laughs> save it for the pod. My favorite part was the opportunity we had to sit down and talk with the author of the Backstreet Boys 30th anniversary celebration, Carolee Hancock. I don't know if any of you guys know Carolee. Uh, look her up on Instagram. She is like the original, the queen Backstreet Boys fan. She's and amazing. A, she's amazing. She wrote this book that's coming out in April that is a tribute to the Backstreet Boys and their 30-year career. And as a big Backstreet Boys girl, I've followed Kara for a while now when we were lucky enough to receive an advanced screener of her book for the podcast. And you guys, it's honestly a piece of art. I cannot hype it up enough. The imagery, all the photos, and just like the story 
of the boys. Like Kara knows everything there is to know and knows their origin story. And her and her co-author, Amelia, put it together in, in just a beautiful coffee table book with next level pictures and stories. It's truly a love letter to the boys and to the fans, I would say. And we were messaging with her and I hope to just steal about 15 minutes of her time. We, we sat down and wanted to talk about the book because, spoiler alert, we have a very special Backstreet Boys episode series coming up in the month of April to celebrate their anniversary. But we ended up just talking with her for so long and like, like over an hour, I would say, and just got so much fun inside scoop on the boys and her story. And as a fangirl, this was just like my heaven. What did you think, Kels? Okay. As a fangirl of a boy band, I feel like nobody ever took me seriously when I said <laughs> that I like love the Backstreet Boys. Or maybe they took me seriously, but they kind of looked down on me for it yeah. or would judge me a little bit. Be like, oh, you love the Backstreet Boys. Like, how Get cute. over it. Yeah. And it's like, Men love sports and no one bats an eyelash and they like do crazy shit when their teams lose or win the Super Bowl. Like, why can't I go to a concert and cry for two hours? Like, it's this, it's to me, it's like fandoms are all fandoms. And I just loved having a safe space where we could all be fangirls. We rarely meet anyone that probably has an edge on us on knowing about the they boys. They can't talk and shop, right? They can't talk shop, but yes. Carolee could talk shop circles around. Yes. Them. So check out Carolee. Make sure you pre-order their 30th anniversary book. It's on, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, wherever you get your book. You will love it. The other thing that's great about Carolee is like, okay, to anyone who's ever been a fan and been in the pit of an artist that they love, you usually meet other fans and then it sort of becomes like a little bit of a fan pissing contest. Like, how many times have you met them? Oh, have you? did you yes. see blah 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 carolee was not like that at all and for being like the queen of the fans she's like a moderator in their fan group like she was just so low-key and welcoming and was just excited to talk about this topic that she's really passionate about and this book was a labor of love for her i think it's such a wonderful book and everyone should go purchase it so that was my favorite part but i also wanted to say i'm still laughing because another highlight I guess was when Kelsey and I got a caricature done. And oh let me tell God. you, <laughs> let me tell you, I honestly begged this guy to be kind to us. And he was not, he was very talented though. I'm not, you know, knocking his talent. He just, as I, I said, please emphasize only my best features. And he oh just God. did whatever he wanted, but uh, maybe we'll include it in our nineties post, but honestly it was so alarming <laughs> and I'm questioning my entire existence now. So we may just save that one for us. Like if I didn't have body dysmorphia before, I definitely have it now. It was so funny. Um, But so that was another highlight for me. Kelsey, what were some of your favorite moments? I loved so they had this like cosplay like costume contest yeah. and so many people went over the top for yeah. it. We saw these two girls who looked incredible as clueless. Definitely check out our Instagram because we'll be posting pics of them. But I think my real highlight was the all that panel. And you may have heard, but we didn't until it was too late that (laughs) Bynes backed out of 90s con last minute. So she announced on Friday morning, AKA after we spent hours of driving and prep and stuff that she was no longer attending due to an illness. What illness? We don't know, but that's what the organizers had to say about it. So Mary, were we not like devastated at this news? There was definitely some devastation. And I was even considering buying a photo op with her because I just wanted to kind of get get up close and try to get a sense of how she was doing and just wish her the best. But uh, 
it, that one hit hard. I hope, regardless, I hope she's just doing okay. And we still love Amanda. Absolutely. Wish her all the best. I hope that she's okay. But nevertheless, we persisted and <laughs> yes. we still went to the panel. And even the girl that we were sitting next to, I was like, yeah, I was really just coming here for Amanda. She's like, me too. I was so bummed. So we were all sort of commiserating, but we ended up having a great time. So the panel featured Mary Beth Dimberg, Danny Tamborelli, and Kel Mitchell. And, you know, once Amanda dropped out, like, I, then I had to choose my fighter, right? And I was all there for Kel. The man single-handedly kept tuna fish and orange soda in business <laughs> in the 90s with his show Keaton and Kel. And Kel, my man, surprised all of us in the audience with a very special guest. Let me talk you through this. So there were two couches on the stage and Mary Beth and Danny were on one couch and Kel was on the other couch, but he was seated furthest away from Mary Beth and Danny. So I was like, hmm, that's weird. Are they like holding space for Amanda's spirit or something? Maybe she's going to like surprise us. And it was all just a farce that she backed out. And then Kel was like, uh, I have a surprise for you all, and it's Keenan Thompson. I couldn't believe it. Like, if you follow yeah. us on Instagram, you saw my shitty video of it because I was so excited. <laughs> Mary, what did you think of that surprise? Okay, so as you and many of you know by now, I missed the Nickelodeon train somehow because I was apparently living under a rock. I just didn't see this as much as I should have and as everybody else did, but I definitely know who Keenan Thompson is. And the room just like went electric when everybody realized that Kel was serious and was actually announcing him as like a surprise guest. I definitely think that was a huge get for 90s Con and for the panel, obviously. And I think it helped kind of uh, soothe our wounds because we were, were still a little sore and a little bit upset about losing Amanda last minute. Totally. I thought that he was kidding at first. Yeah. <laughs> so I like kept sitting down and then I saw Keenan stand up and I was like, wait, <laughs> oh my God, that's really him. And he looks exactly the same. He looks yeah. so good. Like how? What, the man doesn't age. So it was definitely a fun little boost. And the timing couldn't have been more perfect because they just officially announced that Good Burger 2 will be coming to Paramount Plus. So for those of you who aren't familiar, aka Mary. Sorry. <laughs> Good Burger originated as a sketch on All That. And it was then spun off into the 1997 film of the same title, Good Burger. And that was a huge box office surprise success. It grossed $24 million. It only cost them like $8 million to make it. And it's we have been promised a Good Burger sequel for years. Those of us who love Keenan and Cal are just dying to see them back together, doing what they do best, just riffing off of each other in these iconic characters. And they finally confirmed it yesterday. So what a perfect time for Keenan and Cal to rejoin each other on stage with the show that brought them together. And Keenan yeah. said that they're going to begin shooting this summer. And according to reports, they're hoping to have the movie out in late 2023. So we'll Yay. see. So this dynamic duo were asked by the panel moderator, who was Brianne Heldman of People Magazine. They were asked, you know, who their dream cameos for the movie. And Keenan said... Harry Styles and Barack mm. Obama, or Harry and Barry, as he called them. And this had everybody laughing, including myself. Which I feel like is very meaningful because, Mary, you weren't as much of a stan, but it just goes <laughs> to show that they're all still very funny. Their chemistry with one another is still very much intact. Yeah. And, it, you know, of course, we're all there for nostalgia. We're going there to feel something. Yes. We're just going there to feel something, let's be real. Yes. It's, it's tough out Anything. there. It was just so lovely. It was such a fun 
vibe. Everyone was sort of jabbing and making fun of each other. It felt like we were almost like behind the scenes of all that. And they shared so many fun anecdotes. And I thought that the moderator asked some really smart questions. They also asked some questions that were submitted over Instagram from fans. So I want to share with you guys some of the fun stuff that we learned through this panel. It was really interesting to me to hear, first of all, how the cast was cast in all that. And Mary yeah. Beth said that she almost missed filming the pilot. And she is one of the OG members of the cast. She said that she almost missed filming the pilot because there was a literal earthquake in her hometown mm-hmm. the day she was supposed to fly out. Oh Meanwhile, God. Danny Tamborelli was asked to join the show because of his success as Pete in The Adventures of Pete and Pete. If any of you guys remember that show, it was kind of like a fever dream. Like There were these two brothers, both named Pete. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and at this point, Keenan was like, oh, your privilege is showing. And everyone had like a little laugh. Everyone was kind of like just ragging on Danny the entire time, which seemed to be the vibe of what it was like when they were all younger and filming all that. And it just really felt like a group of friends making fun of each other. And it was just a really warm atmosphere. We also got to hear about some of their favorite sketches and their most memorable characters from their all that tenure. And Keenan shared a really fun story. His most memorable sketch was cooking with Randy, or he referred to it as chocolate Randy, which is probably how we'll all remember it. And this was a sketch where Keenan played Chef Randy and he would try all these different dishes and they looked beautiful. And then he would inevitably cover everything in chocolate. <laughs> the man loved chocolate. And as the show went on, the sketches got more and more extra to use Keenan's words. And he just seemed to really love talking about this sketch because, you know, who wouldn't love to be a kid covered in chocolate, getting to eat chocolate take after take? <laughs> there was one scene where he even got to swim around in chocolate. Like th- this Oof. was like a dream sketch come true. But he said that even above and beyond just getting to be <laughs> surrounded by chocolate, which he loves himself, he got the opportunity to work with Chris Farley, which was huge. And yeah. it was like a little foreshadowing since Chris was on Saturday Night Live and Keenan is now the longest running cast member of SNL. Chris Farley, as you probably know, he passed away in 1997. So this sketch must have been filmed not long before he passed. And it really is a fun one to rewatch. Mary and I rewatched it getting ready yep. for today just to jog our <laughs> memories. And it's funny how it all just, it's all coming back to me. It just like flooded back in rewatching it. But so Keenan shared some really fun behind the scenes from this very memorable shoot. And he also gave some context into what it was like to be a cast member on all that. You know, these are kids who are pretty young. For most of them, this is like their first acting gig. And there were some really huge stars that would be on the show as musical guests. And he said that typically the cast was pretty removed from the musical guest performances, but that Chris's sketch was different because obviously he was acting alongside the child actors, (laughs) the children. And Keenan in particular had this incredible scene with him. So he mentioned that Chris was just a normal guy. He was very grounded, but he was also just the ultimate pro. And he ended up being in and out of filming this iconic sketch from all that in just 30 minutes, which is kind of incredible when you think about all the different props that had to come into play. So Keenan said that this sketch, of course, we're dealing with chocolate and it's going everywhere. This was typically very messy. So he and the entire set typically would wind up covered in chocolate by the end of it. So their usual process was to shoot the beginning scenes and reshoot them as many times as they needed to make sure they had everything before they got into the really messy scene. And then the mess, as he called it, would just be one shot, which makes sense. They don't need to do multiple props. 
costumes, go shower, get their makeup redone and everything. And it's a weekly show. So they got kind of got to be quick and turn these episodes around quickly. So for this sketch with Chris and Keenan, the crew had made a really intricate, huge, multiple layer chocolate cake. The director gave direction to Chris, like, don't destroy it until after we get the opening scene done. And we have a couple different takes in the can. And on the first take, Chris just totally ruined and smashed the cake. And they were like, all right, that's fine. Like, we got it anyways. And apparently they did everything just in one take. And Keenan spoke about how watching Chris in this one shoot taught him a lifetime about working in comedy and taking direction, but still very much making it your own and sort of breaking the rules to take those creative liberties. And it was just very cool to hear him share this firsthand account alongside his all that cast members. And also like how legit was it that all that had a great like Chris Farley on it? Yeah, that was really cool to learn about and kind of rewatch with Kels today. Don't worry. She has been educating me. I've been watching sketches. I've been catching up on what I missed. And I had no idea that all that had such a big, iconic guests on the show, that it was basically a, a kid's version of SNL. Like, that's so cool. And I swear to God, I would have loved this growing up. Did my TV just not get Nickelodeon or something? Unbelievable. Well, Mary, you may have missed the show, but I know that your ears perked <laughs> up when Danny Tamborelli shared a story. Um, so one of the questions that the panel was asked was, what are one of your most memorable mistakes or bloopers that didn't make it to air? And everybody was like kind of quiet and <laughs> thinking about it. And Danny like immediately was like, I got one. And I, Mary, I think you need to explain this one because you were like on the edge of your seat the entire time. Yes. I was basically like a dog who just heard the kibble box open. My ears definitely perked up because basically Danny told a story about when the legendary Miss Britney Spears performed on all that. And after Brittany had finished doing her incredible performance, Danny apparently made a very wide-eyed, jaw-on-the-ground type face when Miss Britney Spears took a bow. He was standing behind her, and he was just like in awe, watching her bend forward from behind. He remembers specifically and recalled to us seeing her iconic butterfly lower back tattoo. And I mean, hey, I get it. I probably would have been wide-eyed with wonder myself. But Danny seemingly didn't realize the literal, oh my God, jaw on the floor face he was making. So at the end of the scene, the director pulled him aside like, uh, we're going to do that again. And you're not going to look at anybody else except the people right in front of you. So it apparently was very obvious in the footage that he was smitten by Miss Britney Spears bending forward. I love that he owned that. And then the ensuing jokes from his castmates that followed that was like, uh, how many restraining orders do you have now, Danny? But obviously they were kidding. And it was just a very funny recollection and exchange. It was super sweet. And then, you know, like any good comedian, they all picked up on this little joke and restraining order sort of became like the theme. It was just very yeah. cool to see them feeding off of each other. And so everyone's like ragging on Danny for being a literal perv, but they're <laughs> not done because Mary Beth literally pulls out an electric razor from her bra and shaves Danny's kind of sketch mustache on stage. She was like, you look like the kind of person who should not be allowed within 300 feet of an elementary school. And then Kel was like, or Britney Spears. <laughs> and it was just very funny. So it was kind of crazy to see Danny Tamborelli get his mustache removed on stage, which was wild. Mm -hmm. And then another moment that stood out to me was when Kel was asked about his famous line from Keenan and Kel, who loves orange soda? I do, I do, I do. Ooh. 
Kel said that he maybe feels a little regret over hyping orange soda so much to such a young audience and that maybe he should start promoting probiotics instead. And I do have to say, (laughs) I had quite a few cavities as a child, and I do believe that most of them were a result of Kel's overt support of orange soda because I never missed an opportunity to drink it, you know, in solidarity with my man. Well, hey, I give him credit for recognizing that today and wanting to promote something a little bit more healthy. (laughs) Right. It was such a fun spend an hour. I really loved the whole thing. I was smiling the entire time. Even Mary, who wasn't like a huge stan or understood maybe all of the references, it was just really cool to be in the room with all of them together. It was so fun. Agreed. And as Kelsey mentioned earlier, you know, we had Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees, Chris Kirkpatrick and Joey Fatone from NSYNC. We were supposed to have Nick Carter and AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys, but <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> but they had a boy band panel as well this weekend. And what did we learn from that panel? Okay, so the boy band panel was a good time. Although I was a little bummed because Nick Carter and AJ McLean of Backstreet Boys were supposed to be there, but they had to back out because of conflicting tour dates. Hong Kong, I'm happy for you, but sad for me. So even though Nick and AJ weren't there, we got a lot of Backstreet Boys shirts in the line going into the panel. And yes, I am petty, so I also wore my Backstreet Boys shirt too. Okay, so anyways, we had InSync's Joey Fatone and Chris Kirkpatrick, whose arm was in a sling, by the way, as well as Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees. So still a pretty great, insightful group of guys. And it was very fun because... It was very well attended. They took questions from the audience, which was very fun. So I want to share some of the little tidbits that stood out to me most. First of all, Chris and Joey obviously have a lot of chemistry together from being in in sync together. Um, They're super comfortable with one another and we're joke around with each other. We're constantly making fun of each other and of themselves, which was very refreshing. And Jeff definitely held his own too. And it was really interesting to learn that in sync and 98 degrees went all the way back to their Europe days together. At one point, Chris even made a comment that he was the only one on the couch who had been in a group with both guys because I guess he and Chris were on a TV show in a previous life where they performed together. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that before. But Jeff shared the story of the first time that he saw NSYNC perform, and it was just really sweet. It felt sort of like a full circle moment. He said that 98 Degrees and NSYNC were on some tour in the UK with like 30 other bands, and NSYNC was the first up which means that they were definitely the least known group. So think about back when they had first started, no one really knows who they are. And then 98 Degrees was performing right after them. They were the only two American groups performing at this festival. So they sort of banded together. And Jeff said that he knew InSync was going to be the biggest thing in the world after he saw them perform there. And I thought that was just really sweet. They were kind of hyping each other up while also making fun of each other. It was a nice balance. One of the questions that they got was about weird fan encounters. And I have to say, Chris was very charming. He was like, ooh, I have to watch what I say because some of them are in here, which gave me a lol. And Joey said that he had an encounter where two girls were hiding in a room service cart once. So his bodyguard was standing outside the door and he was like, wait a second. And he pulled up the tablecloth and these two girls were hiding underneath it. And I was like, wow. 
that's like something that you see in like an Austin Powers movie or something. Like, I can't believe that people like actually do that. And Jeff of 98 Degrees said that that would happen to them all the time when they were overseas and that, you know, they'd order breakfast, room service, and these girls would sneak in with the carts and then just like pop out while they'd be going in for their pancakes. And like, listen to me right now. If anybody listening to this has ever jumped out of a room service cart to surprise a boy band member. I need you to DM me immediately. I do not condone what you've done, but I do want to hear literally every detail. doesn't sound like they're salty about it, but I thought that was kind of interesting and funny. They were like laughing about it. Obviously, the moderator had to ask about rivalries since tale as old as time, Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC was such a thing. And Jeff shared that 90 Degrees had major beef with the group five. Remember? Slam dunk bunk. And Jeff apparently challenged, in, to use his words, the tough guy, Rich. But nothing ever happened. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. Five fan, but if anybody listening here, it sounds like neither in sync or 90 degrees are big fans. If I'm reading between the lines here, and then obviously Chris of NSYNC did concede that he and AJ of Factory Boys wanted to fight each other, but now they're good friends. They work through their beef. He wouldn't specify what it was about, but if anyone here knows, again, please DM me. I don't condone violence of any sort, but I do want to hear every detail. So please and thank you. And even though Backstreet Boys weren't there, they were still very much a topic of conversation. At one point, Joey made a little dig at the boys. He was like, well, you know, they aren't here right now. So guess who won? And a lot of people started booing. (laughs) And sweet Chris was like, well, you know why they aren't here? Because they're working. So (gasps) they're winning. I thought that was kind of funny, but Joey did have to clarify that he likes to dig at Backstreet Boys lovingly, not because there's any bad blood there anymore, but I don't know. He did keep bringing them up. So do with that what you will. My favorite question was from an audience member and she asked our favorite question here on the pod, which is when is the moment you knew you made it? AKA when did they pop? So Joey said that they were big in Europe first. I think we I've covered that pretty extensively on here, but, and it took them a really long time to feel like they had reached that level of success in America. And for many groups, you know, it's when they go on a big talk show or maybe a late night show. But for him, it was when they were in the Simpsons. He was like, holy shit, we made it mom. For Jeff, he said it was when 98 Degrees guest started on The Tonight Show and Stevie Wonder was the other guest. And that was their first time appearing on the show. So he was like, wow, that was definitely a pinch me moment. Chris's answer was so cute. If you can't tell, Chris was like my favorite from the panel. He was joking around that when NSYNC first formed, they were performing at this huge festival in Europe. Again, you're sensing a theme. Lots of Europe talk over here. And in the crowd there were people wearing Orlando jerseys and they were like, Oh my God, like these are our fans. They came all this way for us. And then I can't tell if he was joking when he said this or not, but he was like, they started yelling backstreet boys, backstreet boys. I don't know. It could have actually happened, but he said the moment that they really felt like they made it 
was the Disney special, which we've talked about before. It was that special that really catapulted them to fame. But this was the moment that Chris says that all members of NSYNC still talk about all the time because they were making their way onto the stage right before the televised performance. And a fan recognized them. And she's like, oh my God, it's the it's the NSYNC boys. And that was really meaningful to them because they were finally being recognized in America. And we know that's a milestone for all of our boy banders who found amazing success in Europe. And it took us Americans a little time to catch on. Another very interesting question from an audience member. I feel like the audience had some really smart questions. They asked, were there ever any plans for a fourth sync album that never got released before they broke up? And Joey shared some tea here. He said they had recorded an album before No Strings Attached, but when they filed their lawsuit against Lou Pearlman, and they severed all ties with Lou as their manager, they lost the entire album in the lawsuit. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Lou Pearlman was the creator of the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. He was their manager. He did all their business deals. And he ended up running one of the largest Ponzi schemes in history up to that point. And he used these boy bands as a way to get investors to feed into the scheme. It is a crazy story about the making of our favorite boy bands. And if you have not listened to our Lou Pearlman episode yet, Please check it out to learn more. As you can tell, very passionate about it. It's a fascinating story. It's a sad story, but it just is very telling about this time in history. And I thought it was so interesting that they lost these songs. Joey said that it was like seven or eight total, and they had to start from scratch for No Strings Attached. Some of the songs he said did get released later on, but I just thought that was really fascinating. So Joey made a comment that he had messaged Justin on Instagram, and Justin never responded. Crickets. And Chris said that when Joey texts the group chat that nobody responds. Like, can you imagine like being on an in-sync group chat? Like, what do you think they do? Do you think they like send each other photos of like their kids or like do you think they send each other like funny like TikToks? What side of TikTok do you think InSync is on? I don't know, it just kills me. But the most exciting tea was Jeff shared that 98 degrees is going to be releasing new music. Da da da. He said that they've been recording over the last few months and they may be touring even this summer or early fall. So yay. And then obviously that segue to like, okay, in sync, like what's tip tap over here? Like, what are you guys doing? Chris and Joey sort of shrugged off 25th reunion rumors and they were like, we're dads now, we have kids. It's just like sort of complicated. So I'm sorry, in sync fans, it doesn't sound like we're going to be getting any new music from them soon, but we do have new 90 degrees music to look forward to. I'm definitely going to one of their concerts. I need to see. Give me just one night. Una noche. It was a very fun panel. It was very high energy. The guys you could tell were just having a great time up there. The audience was on point with their really smart questions. It was just a good time overall. And I am really glad that we went. Thanks for that, Kels. And that is all we had this week. Reporting from 90s Con. We hope reporting you enjoyed the- live. <laughs> reporting live. Reporting live-ish from 90s Breaking Con. news. Danny Tamborelli no longer has a mustache. And we witnessed it. So we hope you enjoyed some of our little stories we had. There is another 90s Con coming up in Tampa, Florida this September. If you are interested, I think at least one and hopefully both of us are aiming or hoping to be there. We definitely had a lot of fun this time around and we heard there was a promise of more boy banders at this next one. So I am very intrigued. 
But to pivot a little, I am very, very, very excited about what we have coming up next week. We are having our first guest on the pod. And honestly, oh my God, I cannot believe we got this person on. Just to give you a little teaser, I legitimately bought a magnet this weekend that had this person's face on it. That's that's a big deal. Are we going to keep it a secret, Mare? Or should we just yeah. let everyone guess? We're going to keep it a secret. And we're going to do teasers and hints throughout this upcoming week. So make sure you are following us on Instagram at when they popped pod to see if you can guess which Y2K icon, literally an icon, we have the pleasure of hosting next week. We're hoping we're going to be able to give an opportunity for some fan questions on our Instagram. So please make sure you're keeping an eye on our Insta and social media for more details. You do not want to miss who we have next week. Thank you so much for listening and for all your engagement. I have like so much fun DMing with all of you guys and we just love you so much. We love you. And it's so great to meet so many amazing people at 90s Con in the flesh and yes. not behind a screen. If you said hello, thank you so much. We were so excited to meet you guys and maybe we'll see you at the next 90s Con. Who knows? And again, yes. if you're a t-shirt vendor, please show up because we want to spend all of our doll hairs at your yes. booth. Take my money. Take my money. Take it. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next week with someone else as well. With someone (laughs) else. Oh my God. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.